This is the Marked Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Mary Margaret West and Elizabeth Hindman. Each episode, we'll talk about what God's doing, how he has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you joined us today. Y'all are in for a real treat today um, because we have a woman named Lillian who is going to be on the podcast um, who is from Uganda mm-hmm. and who is sharing her story of growing up in poverty and um, and of just what God has done in her life over the course of her life. And so she's going to spend a chunk of the podcast just telling you about her life. And, um, and some of it may be... Um, hard to hear and hard to listen to. Um, but just her story is one that's super powerful. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like God, um, can really use it to stir our hearts to action and to do something as a result of what it is that we've heard today. And a big factor in her story is her, um, is the role that compassion international played in her life. And so we wanted to be sure to give you links up top, um, to go. And if you want to sponsor a compassion child, um, you can go to compassion.com slash watch her rise. And that's just a great place to go and if you're stirred by what you're hearing today to to take action in some way. Um, that would be a great place to sponsor. Absolutely. And if you already sponsor a child, by the time you're done with this episode, I think the first thing you're going to go do is write them a letter. Yes. And so I hope that you enjoy hearing from Lillian today on the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Podcast. We're so glad that y'all are listening with us today. Welcome, everybody. Um, we have a very special guest today, and she is from Uganda. And that's a long way away from it's here. It's a long way away from Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, but her name is Lillian, and um, and she is here, and we're gonna be talking just a little bit more about her story, about her involved with her involvement with Compassion International, um, and just some ways that you can be more aware of what God is doing around the world. Um, when it comes to ways that you can, as a person here, most likely most of you are in the United States, um, but just to do something um, in the name of Jesus um, to make an impact. And so Lillian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We are glad that you are here. And um, we got to, Elizabeth and I actually were at an event recently where we got to hear you share your story. Yes. And and we're just so glad that we already, we we were like, we've already got you scheduled to come on the podcast (laughs) and we're so thrilled. Um, But will you tell us just a little bit about your life growing up as a girl in Uganda, about your family or your, um, just kind of your circumstances and what your story looked like when you were younger? Oh, my life growing up in Uganda is not fun. Sometimes I find it hard to even say it, but I want to thank God because he has made me to see it, go through it, and then be a blessing to others. Mm-hmm. I come from a big family, uh, which has become small every day. Uh, my father had many wives that he fathered children with. I don't even know how many, maybe that, like six. Mm-hmm. But my mother was one of them, and we were four from my mother, uh, two girls and two boys. I was the last born because my mother died when I was only three months old. Mm-hmm. And then my mother left me with her father, uh, my grandfather. In a, It was a poor house, a poor home, but my grandfather couldn't take care of me. Uh, he was also worried that I was going to die, but he took me to my father's house, in my father's house. Uh, I had two stepmothers, and mm-hmm. uh, many have siblings who mm-hmm. are way older than 
than me. I went with my elder sister, and then my two brothers were shared among different relatives, so I didn't get to see them when I was growing up. Okay. Yeah, but growing up uh, in my father's house, it didn't mean that my father was there. My father was also murdered. He was kidnapped, mm-hmm. I think, two months after that. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see him. I know that they kept on looking for him, but news came that he was dead. Because mm-hmm. Uganda went through so many civil wars uh, to where we are. It's It's been a journey for our country. Yeah. So during that time, many people were kidnapped, were murdered. But uh, growing up in that home was really a test because I hated God. I saw mm-hmm. God was not providing for us. I saw mm-hmm. God was not, God's love was not evident in mm-hmm. our lives. Because when I started understanding, I remember we had nothing in the house. We had no food. We had no water. We had no beddings. Mm-hmm. We had no clothing. We had nothing that could make a child feel happy. Yeah. So I remember we used to walk like three to four miles to fetch water. And as young girls, that was our work because most of the times girls are seen as like laborers in the home. Like you're supposed mm-hmm. to work. You, they, they teach us to be kitchen people. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be at the front. You're supposed to be at the backyard. So we used to walk three to four miles with our jerry cans of water patched on our heads. I was seven years old, but I was able to carry a 20-liter jerry can of water on my head. And it wasn't one time a day because it was our activity. But you reach home when you're hungry, and then there's Mm -hmm. nothing to eat, and then you go to the neighbors to look for things for pigs. Mm -hmm. We had pigs (laughs) at home. We Normally, we would rear pigs for income. Mm -hmm. So we had to go to look for scrap for these pigs and uh, it was a joy to find some food in the rubbish bins. Mm -hmm. So we clean off and eat and that was making us sick almost every time. Mm -hmm. But one thing I remember about growing up is I would cry so much because every year we buried someone. Mm -hmm. It was very difficult to find money to see a doctor So and malaria was very common, Uh, waterborne diseases because we used to take water which was not very clean. Mm-hmm. So mo- most of my half-brothers and half-sisters died when we were growing up and like every year would bury, which was really sad and it was hard for me to really see God as the one who protected us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in any case, he protected us. We we still, as some of us survived. We I remember we used to cut grass in our yard and put grass in a sack, and that was our mattress. So mm. you put grass in a sack and put it in the sun so that it can soften enough, and then at night you're able to use it. I don't remember a nice blanket or a nice bedding. So it was a life of emptiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope was very far away from us because you didn't even know whether you'll have tomorrow. We didn't have money to go to school. Mm-hmm. I remember we would go to school and many other times we were the ones seen walking on the streets back because somehow the teacher has sent you back, you haven't paid school fees. Mm-hmm. And somehow you go to school, you don't have books, you don't have a uniform, you don't have shoes. So you go like a typical poor child. There was no dignity for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, poverty rips you 
of dignity and mean as girls somehow you need to look decent you need to look you need to feel protected you need to to be known yeah. but that was far away from us i remember my when my sister when my elder sister was in grade 7 she was in and out of school and when she completed grade 7 oh it was a miracle mm. but unfortunately she couldn't go to any good school even as she had performed very well she was taken to work as a house helper she was actually the best performer in the school but the best she could do was to be taken to work as a house helper in a countryside mm-hmm. one of our countryside mm-hmm. relatives it hurt me so much that i lost real, i ro- i lost hope i knew that even if i i have i have push father in education there's no hope because there's no money but my turning point for me was when i was taken to a compassion project it was a church that was partnering with compassion my elder half brother took me so that i can be registered mm-hmm. and this is when i got to know that i'm not the only poor child i remember we walked so long to reach there we were tired walked mm-hmm. like four miles wow i reached and i was hungry i was dirty i had this dress which was even torn mm-hmm. and uh when we reached i kept on holding my horse but i saw many kids who were so poor and i felt comfortable that mm-hmm. this is where i belonged and they told us to f- smile for a photo oh my goodness i couldn't smile <laughs> i didn't even know what it meant to smile because nothing in life made yeah. me ever made me smile mm-hmm. but this time they gave me a chocolate and uh, they told me to pause and because i was uncomfortable in my dress they told me to go and get a dress from one of the the girls mm-hmm. who was like i'm tall so even as a, as a kid I was a tall kid mm-hmm. so i had to get a kid who was my size so mm-hmm. that i can borrow a dress and take a decent photo but that photo is what changed my future so yeah. my sponsor picked me up from australia and i started going to this compassion project every weekend we looked forward to that yeah and they took me to a good school they they actually took me to good school and this is the first time i was going to school with a uniform with shoes socks with a school bag and mm. books oh my goodness i i wanted to show off like i have books so that people know that mm. i am better mm. <laughs> and that's what i wanted like you know that feeling of dignity like you 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 always not begging because i i remember i used to beg a piece of paper to write mm. And whenever I would fall sick good enough we had to go to a hospital and our bills were taken care of we had a number uh, and a file so you present your number to a, a health center or in a hospital mm-hmm. and then they take care of your medical requirements which was so good like we felt very protected yeah mm-hmm. and i remember every week whenever we didn't have food at home I would go and talk to the social workers or the pastor that we don't have food and then they told me Lillian don't go back to the rubbish bins because mm. I think they knew that we used to go yeah those things it was what you knew yeah, yeah. that's what we knew mm-hmm. we, we had solutions to our problems yeah so they would buy us groceries and that was so good because in our house the only sugar i saw was when the compassion project would send us mm-hmm. some sugar some rice mm-hmm. flour for us to survive for us to push we knew how to to economize we knew how to budget for our food so yeah. 
It was very helpful. I remember one time my sponsor sent me a gift and I bought a mattress. And this mattress was to release me from sleeping on grass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at home, we shared it six of us because, I mean, all of us had the same lifestyle. No one was like better. Even as we belong to different mothers, we still had struggles. But one thing I remember, home was really never at peace. Much as we continued, I continued going to the Compassion Project. Going back home, it was like going back to a den of lions. Mm-hmm. I used to have these elder brothers and elder half-sisters who were fighting all the time. Because they belonged to different mothers. Everyone mm-hmm. was fighting for attention. Everyone was fighting to, to carry on the mother's hatred. You know, when women are competing for one man, even when the man has died, they still compete for property or those things, children to be known. So it was very hard to be in a home full of hostility. Mm-hmm. When I was 16 years old, it was even more difficult because I had advanced in school. And of course, some of my half-siblings were like, she won't make it, she won't make it. Mm-hmm. Because no, none of them had made it yeah. in mm-hmm. like higher, in higher education. But I had hope that I'll make it because my sponsor used to write me letters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these letters for me were like another Bible mm. because they gave me so much hope. Like in her letters, she was so simple, friendly, like a mom. For me, I think my sponsor was such a mother. Yeah. Mm. Because she encouraged me through life. She helped me to focus on God. Mm -hmm. I hated God so much. And during that time, I had not even given my life to Jesus, much as we were learning about Jesus at the project every weekend. Mm -hmm. We were learning about Jesus through reading different things and also hearing about him from our letters. But I had this hatred that God did not really care about me so much. So when I was 16, that's when I I was like drawing my life apart. I nearly committed suicide because my family pushed us out of home. Mm-hmm. And when we pushed us out of home, we didn't have where to go. You know, it's so common for girls, like girls in our regions, Africa, basically, I mm-hmm. think not only Uganda, but most of African countries, girls are seen as property. Yeah. For dowry, like, you know, they see, as soon as you start growing breasts, they see you as a property for a man. They yeah. sh- a man should come and give you give them money so that they marry you off. So, of course, we, you don't have that much dignity because you you know that maybe at one point they will get me a man uh, and you, do, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether the man is sick, whether the man is too old for mm-hmm. you. You had to go. I mean, they Mm -hmm. pushed you away. So for me, they pushed us out of home. And I was living in the bush. I pleaded for my half-brothers and sisters to have me in the house. And they're like, you're rubbish. Like They used so many harsh words on us. And it was very difficult to feel worth, like to feel valued. So as rubbish, I had to take my things. They threw all... (laughs) 
the things outside the mm-hmm. house. So I had to pick them to pick them up and then find my way. And I couldn't find my way in the bush forever. I didn't want to go to the compassion project. This is a time when I closed out. I closed out on God. I closed out on compassion. I closed out on my sponsor. Yeah. Like I felt mm-hmm. everyone knows I am worthless. Mm. So I I was so scared that I don't know. I was brought to emptiness. So when I when I was in the bush, like wandering up and down, I would walk from one end to another until it is night. Mm-hmm. And I did not have anywhere I was going. All I wanted was to have an accident, get into a car so that the car knocks me. And sometimes they would abuse me. What are you doing in the road? Are you mad? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I was dirty. I would eat anything that I would see on the road, that I would see on the rubbish bin. This is the time I felt so empty. Yeah. But when I realized that I wasn't dying quick, I got poison. Because we used to kill rats with poison. Mm-hmm. So this time I was seeing myself as a rat, ready to die. As I was going to drink this poison, I knew that I would drink it and die somewhere where I didn't even want like my family to come and find my body. I was like, any stranger will come. But then I wanted a smile on me. I was like, I want them to come and find a smiling dead body in that bush. So the only thing that would make me smile were these letters. Because every time we received these letters at the project, it was a joy mm. to be read out. Liliana, can we have a letter? And you feel so excited. You feel so proud that mm-hmm. someone knows you. Yeah. And this is a time that I wanted to read these letters for one more time. Mm -hmm. I was like, let me just read them and see so that I can die when I'm a bit happy. But her letters gave me so much hope. I think this is a time I internalized what she was writing. Mm -hmm. Probably when I was reading them, I was reading them with excitement and I wouldn't internalize and then maybe reply. But this time... I took time to read one by one. I had many, a big pile, which I still have even up to now. Mm. But in her letters, I saw that I'm still valued. I'm still important. God mm-hmm. loves me. Yeah. I am beautiful. You know, She named all those things. I should be happy. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Psalms 37 verse 4. And I was like, oh. You mean God can give me that desires of my heart? Yeah. For me, I did not mind about God at that time. I minded about my sponsor. Mm-hmm. I knew that if I died, she would cry. I never mm. wanted to make her cry. Mm-hmm. So I walked back to the Compassion Project, dirty as I was. I was really dirty. They saw me and the pastor just hugged me. The good thing I found her at the I, I found him at the project, mm-hmm. and I found this compassion project director who was scared of me. Like she was, like, what's wrong with this girl? She thought I was really crazy, like I'd run mad. So the pastor told me, Lillian, no matter what is happening with you from today, you're my child. <laughs> they had looked for me like you look for a lost child. Wow. They went to my family, and my family abused them. Like they didn't want to know where I was, and they didn't want to tell them. So this time when I appeared, it was like a miracle. So that's what transformed my life. I I was counseled. For me, counseling is very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was counseled. They helped me to shape my life back, those women. Uh, Pastor got me like women who are 
just normal who talked to me. There's actually a lady who took me in her house and told me, I want you to be with me and my children. She was poor. Mm -hmm. she, we lived in a one-roomed house. This house was separated by just a little curtain. It mm -hmm. was mud, made of mud and water. And uh, she had like six children, but her children, most of them were older than me. And then we had these age men mm -hmm. uh, that were my friends even before because I saw them at church. So living with, and then she had a husband. So we, we would squeeze our mattress on the floor. And then in the morning, it was a living room. Mm -hmm. So it was, but in her poverty, she spoke into my life yeah. and uh, I was able to change, like to see God in me, acting mm -hmm. in me. So when I was 17, as we had a youth conference that was organized by Compassion. And this is when a pastor was talking about our lives as broken pieces. And for me, I saw my life was broken, like mm -hmm. broken pieces that could easily pierce someone. But that's when I gave my life to Jesus. I wanted him to mend me back. I wanted him to use my life. And that's why that's when I found meaning in life. I remember writing to my sponsor and my sponsor really had asked compassion many, what's wrong with my child? <laughs> mm -hmm. But she was there in my deepest or lowest time. Mm. She prayed, I am sure her prayers made me to change. Her yeah. prayers made me what I am even today. Mm. Because when I gave my life to Jesus, life completely changed. I, I went through discipleship. I started even spearheading peer counseling mm -hmm. at the project because mm. the counseling I got helped me to, to know how to handle girls, issues around girls as yeah. they are growing up. Because I knew that life was so difficult for me. I would bump into any man. I mean, you'd be abused at all times. But this this time, I was seeing myself as I'm having a lot that I can give. Mm -hmm. When I finished university, I was like a role model at the project. I was the only girl who was taken. I was actually the first person to be taken from my project on leadership development program. Mm. And when I went to university... I could not believe that I was actually going to university. For me, going to university, I actually wanted to study law. But my intentions to study law was to revenge over my family, mm. to sue them for abusing us and all that. But God's desire for me was to study mass communications. Mm -hmm. And finally, he pushed me to where he wanted me to be. Yeah. So when I graduated, I knew that I needed grace to forgive it. I struggled with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Even when I received Christ, I struggled to forgive my family. But with leadership development program at that time, we were supposed to be a living example. We were supposed to serve. Yeah. We were supposed to be the lowest mm -hmm. so that even those who hurt us are the highest. Like we're supposed to wash their feet mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that we can be able to serve them. And when we were commissioned, I knew that I can't serve my people. I can't give back unless if I forgive them. Mm -hmm. And I struggled until when I was able to embrace forgiveness. So I love my people right now. And uh, I, I, I support them. Some of them still fear that I have revenge and all that. Mm -hmm. Some of them have not even talked to me because of what guilt they are suffering with. Yeah. But I've told them I forgive you because they see joy in me and God gave me such joy that mm. nothing really 
takes me by surprise. Yeah. I, I, there's still a point for me. Yeah. Not. What I love about your story and about the story of compassion as a whole, too, is just how many people are just doing their part in your story. The Your sponsor, a woman in Australia who is just writing letters and yeah. praying for you mm-hmm. and supporting you. And then the pastor at the church mm-hmm. with compassion and then the people within compassion that are helping yeah. with counseling and leading the programs yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. And then the, the lady that took you in. Yeah. Um, just everybody's doing what they can do and what they're, um, what God has called them to do, mm-hmm. but they've, they're working together to change so many women's lives yeah. and so many men's lives too. Cause it's boys and girls that are part of the program. Yeah. And I just love how God works everybody together to do that. I mean, that is a yeah. picture of the church yeah. and, and they may or may not ever meet all the people that they yeah. have helped. Yeah. Um, like I know some some sponsors get to meet their kids and then some of them don't. They just write letters and write letters and pray. And um, I just think that's such a beautiful picture of the church doing God's work mm-hmm. across the world, like yeah. joining hands together to Absolutely. do God's work. That's true. And yeah. I think that's one of the really unique things about compassion too, yeah. is that everything is rooted in the local church right. yeah. and partnering with pastors and mm-hmm. um, all of that so that it's not just compassion coming in to do a good thing. It's saying we want to come in and partner and be a part of the solution here, but to use the local people and the local mm-hmm. Bible believing pastor right. to say, yeah. Hey, let's, let's partner together to make a difference in this community. Yes. And, um, and that's one of my favorite things just yeah. to make sure that, that, you know, as listeners about compassion, um, is that it's always through the local church mm-hmm. and it's holistic. They fed you, they provided tangible yeah. needs, but then they also provided you with hope. Like they helped point you to hope yes. in Jesus. And I think that's such a a good picture too of how they are able to help not just with the tangible needs of a mattress and food but also with counseling and by pointing you to Jesus over and over and over again Mm -hmm. Um, and I I just love that Uh, so what are you doing right now how are you working with compassion now I am my job is to help sponsors come and see the work of compassion Mm -hmm. Uh, so I organize events and uh, trips for all donors and sponsors, when they come into the country, I take them to the different places where mm-hmm. they can see what we do, how we do it, and also appreciate their support. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I take them to those tiny rooms where the children mm-hmm. live so that the sponsor really reaches the, yeah. the actual context of the child. Mm-hmm. And then I also speak for compassion. I tell them, the worth of their giving because yeah. most of them think giving <laughs> their giving is small. Yeah. But I've always told my sponsor, you did not give small. She always said, but Lillian, I did a small part. I did a small part. Yeah. But I mean, she never did a small part in my eyes mm-hmm. and in God's mm-hmm. eyes. She did the biggest, like she did a big part because yeah. that's what she was supposed to play. So that's what I do. And it feels like giving back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Giving back to giving back the hope that I've Mm. I've received all through my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a beautiful picture, too, just of the full circle nature of compassion that, you know, everybody who graduates, you know, out of the program or out of the leadership development program doesn't necessarily work for compassion. But I think in some ways you are all advocates for compassion wherever you go and whatever you do, because you're a product of 
what God has done through the hands and feet of so many people. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm one of those people who went to a conference over 10 years ago and felt the Lord prompting me to sponsor a child. And so I went and I remember the thing that for for whatever reason, I think people have, when they're standing at a table at an event or or online and looking at packets and um, the, you know, a couple of things to know are that those packets are only at that one place. Like that same child is not at a bunch of different places. It's right there, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with just one packet to be sponsored um, or one, you know, one spot online to Mm -hmm. have that, um, that presence there. Um, But I remember I looked for um, the child that I could find who had the most siblings, Mm -hmm. because I thought I'm like, if it can help this one child, I'm sure it will also help their family. And that was for me that day, I picked up a packet of a little girl named Vicky who Mm -hmm. lives in Kenya. And, um, and now we've, I actually got to go on a trip, um, like what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I took a trip to Kenya a number of years ago and got to spend the day with her and we went to the zoo and we ate together and I got to meet her social worker and the people who love on her on a regular basis. And I remember she showed up in this beautiful dress mm. and, um, and her social worker told me, she said, this is part of what, she, you know, she was able to purchase with your, with the your gifts. birthday money yeah. last year. We all, but they also got a mattress and a goat and, you yeah. know, things that were very, you know, much more practical, but she also got to pick out a dress and, um, and just getting to see some of the behind the scenes. I've actually been on two compassion trips. Mm-hmm. I also sponsor a little girl named Cindy in Guatemala and got to go visit her and do the mm-hmm. same kind of thing to, to meet with some of the people who work with compassion. I've just never seen an organization that has the type of integrity that compassion does and just the, the intentionality with, with which they do everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I've seen the notebooks that have the information about my sponsored girls Mm. that just show where every bit of everything goes and Mm. how, how they're growing and they're being checked in on. And I like, it's one of those things like I won't, I don't want to take any more time, Lillian, (laughs) from you being able to share, but like for those of you who have not experienced that side of sponsorship, of seeing the full circle piece of it and meeting your Mm -hmm. child. And for some of you, that's never going to be you to be able to go to that country. Mm -hmm. Just like, hear me say, like it makes a difference. And for so many of us that for me, that $38 a month per child is automatically drafted out of my checking account. And so I honestly don't think about it very Mm. often. I, and there are moments I've said like where I wish it hurt a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I wish I felt it Mm. a little bit more, but it's like that $72 a month doesn't, did I add that math right? I don't even know what it's it's something 38 times two. I'm not (laughs) a math person. 76. I don't know, whatever. I don't know. Um, but that money every month, it goes out of my checking account and it does. And I wish I felt it more. Yeah, because Mm. I know the impact. And the thing now is like with the Mm -hmm. Compassion app, like I can write a letter from my phone and attach photos to it and send it right off. Which is so helpful because I don't print photos anymore. And so for a long time I was like, I I haven't shown my, because I sponsor a little girl in Honduras. And um, I was like, I haven't shown her my face because I just keep forgetting to go print a photo of me. And so then when they opened up the online, I was like, oh, I can just attach it right here. And here we go. It's so easy. It's too easy almost to do this. But I do think that also is can be a good thing because yeah. it's like you can sponsor you may not even miss it yep. just i mean it obviously depends on you and where you are financially yep. but it could like i don't know what how many lattes is that like i don't know i feel like everybody compares it's things like to one lattes a week. let's yeah, just be honest one a week yeah is, so that's not a huge sacrifice for most of us most no. of us could do that and maybe you just don't go to Starbucks once a week instead, <laughs> you know. But um, I do think that's both a good and a bad thing that you don't necessarily notice it leaving your yeah. bank account. Because um, it can be like, oh, well, you can 
we can do this. Yeah. Like it's not. But like Lillian said, that goes such a long way. Yeah. yeah. And those, it's not just the sponsorship, but it's the letter writing piece of it too. Cause yeah. you are the only, like you are that child sponsor. Uh-huh. There's not like another Jane Smith over here. That's also writing <laughs> yeah. letters. Like it's, it's a one-on-one relationship, yeah. which I think is really unique too. And, and the prayer. I feel like that's yep. something that I often forget about doing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's something that, I should I should just put it on my calendar to remind me to yeah. pray for her because like you said you're reading those letters in a moment that is crucial for your life and it could be that her prayers were what reached you you know the holy spirit is listening to us and yeah. he was watching you read those and like you said you read them before and it hadn't necessarily sunk in yeah so it's the holy spirit working through your sponsor and working through you to like to make it be like, oh, I understand this now, and I I can have hope in this mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, so. it's very important for sponsors to write. Yes, it really is. And yeah. like, I've got a reminder that comes up, and I set it through the Compassion app mm-hmm. every Saturday morning. I get a reminder to pray for my two girls, and I've got their pictures up on my refrigerator, and um, and then like once a month, it reminds me to write mm-hmm. a letter. And so, and like, I just need sometimes I just need a prompt, and I need a yeah. reminder. Um, to do that because it's mm-hmm. it's easy in the busyness of life to to I think for us to brush off the significance that those letters can have. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, Lillian, that those were the words of hope that your family had not spoken over you. Yeah. And um, you know, telling you that you were beautiful and valuable, um, that those things that we so often use really tritely mm-hmm. um make a huge impact, especially to somebody who doesn't hear it all the time. Yeah. So and I also use the same strategy right now. I write to my family, uh-huh. like I can write to the children of my half brothers and half sisters, yeah, to so that they can have words of hope as mm-hmm. they're growing yeah. up in in shattered environment. I sponsor a child too. I mm. I, I, I sponsor my child in Togo, and uh, I think we we don't speak the same language. Yeah, right. he writes in French, and later <laughs> it's always translated. Yeah. But every time I write to him, I want to give him big hope. I want, yeah. I want mm-hmm. him to know that he's very important. I see like a big person in him. Yeah. I I want I want him to know that God made him for great things. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes I tell him, I I see you as the future president of your country. <laughs> and I think whenever he gets these letters, he used he never used to smile in photos. Yeah. <laughs> now he smiles. He smiles. Oh, I love that. So it's very important for sponsors to take time and write, especially now that compassion has made it so easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know in our busy world, sometimes that is flashed off, but these are messages of hope. If yep. uh, if the Bible was not written for us, we wouldn't have anything to believe. Like, we wouldn't yeah. have anything to, to attach our faith to. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. I think it's very important for us to write letters of hope. Absolutely. I think so too. And yeah. just to get to know you and your family and um, just to, and it's like you said, you still have those letters today. Oh, yes. They and, are one of the most important things I have. Yeah. With me. I never lose them. And every child that I've met in the compassion program, when I've been on trips or have, you know, met, you know, women like you here in the States who've come over, mm-hmm. um, to share, to share the the message of compassion, every single one of them can tell you their sponsor's name, no mm-hmm. matter their, like, no matter if they're four years old or 25 yeah. and, and they say, I've got all of my letters. Mm-hmm. Like, and those are just, it's, they're really valuable things that for us, um, on the other end, I hope that we, you know, that today this will help you to see yeah. the value and the why behind, um, behind why that's so important. 
And for my particular child, she was very young when I started sponsoring her. I think she was like four. And so she would not write the letters. Her Mm -hmm. aunt and her mom would write the letters. So I was writing to her aunt and her mom. So in that way, I'm I'm able to like give those words of hope to her whole family in a way because there's so many people that are reading these letters that Mm -hmm. I'm writing. And sometimes it was kind of funny because I'm like, I don't know who this is. It would be a different Tia every time. And, and so, um, but that was fun to kind of get to know her whole family dynamic. And they would, they would say, I'm writing for, for Ilse because she can't write yet, but she's working on it. She's learning so much in the, in the compassion center and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of fun too. Mm -hmm. Um, but what yeah. would you say, just kind of as a last thing, mm-hmm. um, just to encourage girls um, to like to really empower them who are, you know, in a situation where it feels hopeless? Mm-hmm. Like, how would you encourage girls who are in um, in, a, in a difficult situation right now if you had a room full of them in front of you? <laughs> There's so much to say to encourage girls. I do girl counseling still in my community. Mm-hmm. I have a number of girls that I mentor. I meet them over every month and we talk and we share. It's always good for a girl to have someone to trust mm-hmm. and open up because sometimes life is so difficult. Mm-hmm. You can't solve your sh- issues alone. I can't say some some to some faith is very far from them. I uh, I can't say give your hope to Jesus Christ and all that. But there are those who do not even believe in Jesus yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. who are struggling like the way as I struggled. How do I start? So have someone who you trust, who has strong faith in God, mm-hmm. that you can that you can share your worries with at least if every girl can have someone yeah it may not have to be a mom because i mean every girl would wish to have a mom but it's not common mm-hmm. i mean it's not it's not easy that every girl can have a mom yeah but right. some of us missed that time there are moments when i was like oh, i wish i had a mom i would tell her this mm-hmm. but then my sponsor fitted in that gap yeah so mm-hmm. it's it's good to open up and also not to be alone, to have a friendship company, mm-hmm. uh, the company that builds you. So uh, for me, I was lucky that I had compassion friends. Mm-hmm. My friends of compassion, at least they would look out for me. I felt like I had sisters and brothers yeah. at the compassion project. So uh, at school, yeah, I had some friends, but then school is very hard because some people are very well off. Others are not well off, so sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, you don't know where you fit. Yeah. But it's good to have uh, maybe friends who matter, who can build you up, and also to to have hope, like not to, to see yourself as valueless, but every girl has value. Like mm-hmm. we, we are very important in the sight of God. We need to, to show the world that we are not only kitchen people. Uh, in Uganda, we use, like, when I was growing up, we would use firewood to cook. So it was meant that the girl is supposed to smell smoke. Mm. Like, you're supposed to be a kitchen girl. You, you're supposed to be behind. You're supposed to clean. You're supposed, yeah. You don't have to appear. So the girls should come up and be bold mm-hmm. enough and be dignified and not, not to waste your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to sleep around. Like, you don't don't make yourself too cheap know that you're very important you're protected god loves you and if you sh- if you if you become vulnerable before god he extends his hands of mercy still mm. even when you don't god god sees you god you you just have to spend time to talk to god there are moments when I, in my time i was like god if you're there 
take me out of this situation. Yeah. And every list that I would tell God over time, I, I saw that he did it, that mm-hmm. he was actually there. That means God is there for everyone, whether mm-hmm. you believe in him, whether you don't believe in him, God is there for you. Yeah. God makes us beautiful. Girls struggle to know whether you're beautiful. There are moments when someone has told you, you look at your nose, it's like a window. You look at, but you know, God made you special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he finished making you, he knew that what he made was very beautiful. Amen. I'm writing a book about that. Mm-hmm. And and I know that it will encourage many girls, as many girls as possible. And most of the times I get to listen to challenges that girls go through because mm-hmm. I get to talk to them a lot and they get to open up a lot. And I understand that, okay, not only girls, even boys have struggles mm-hmm. through yeah. life like growing up as uh, growing up is difficult whether you're in a rich side of the country whether you're not in a rich side but when you're in a poor country with no hope without a mom without a dad without a parent to believe in you it's yeah. very hard to believe in yourself mm-hmm. so i always tell them to try and find a center of hope in christ yeah. Even even when you feel like you're very far away from mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. try to have a cling. Your ray of hope is only in Christ. Amen. So good. Well, yes. thank you. Yeah. Just that that's an encouragement even to me today. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, while that, you know, what you're speaking to is to uh, like you, the girls in your mind are the girls in Uganda that you minister to and love on and encourage. But I think even for me, I'm thinking those are the exact same things that young women here in the United mm-hmm. States need to hear. And that every mm-hmm. single one of us as women need to know about the truth about who we are and how yeah. God sees us. And so thank you for sharing that with us today. And mm-hmm. um, and we're also going to link in today's show notes to um, to watch her rise, which is um our initiative this year with compassion, a lifeway women's initiative with compassion that, um, that not only that sort of narrows the focus down to, yeah. to girls in seven countries out of all the ones that compassion works with, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, we, we recognize that all the kids who are in the compassion program are vulnerable, but we're especially focusing on seven specific countries and on girls in particular. Um, you know, and it's countries where gr- there are extra factors that make girls more vulnerable, vulnerable to things like forced labor, sex trafficking, and, um, and all of those pieces. And so we're just trying to to come together mm-hmm. and just to say we're going to do something about what it is that we see and um, and just to take responsibility for mm-hmm. um, for those who um, who are poor and in need and mm-hmm. um, like the gospel tells us to do. Right. And so um, we will link to that. But the link, if you are near your computer or phone right now, is compassion.com forward slash watch her rise. And mm-hmm. so, again, you can um, click over to that in today's show notes. But Lillian, thank you so much yes, for sharing you. your story and oh, um, oh. for the ways that God is using you and that you're um, making a huge difference where you are yeah thank you it was nice to share and it was nice to be with you this morning Ah, uh, there's one more thing that i wanted to say yeah. about yeah. girls mm-hmm. like as girls we are we are the light of christ mm-hmm. that's why i mean christ really valued women yeah mm-hmm. we are the mothers we are the center of everything so even as we are in a suffering dark world we have to know that we can be the light mm-hmm. we, we can light up we can we are we can be the lily in the valley mm-hmm. we can light up and give hope to those who are hopeless i speak to the girls who are in stone quarry especially those that i see 
acquiring stones for income mm-hmm. i i speak to them and I'm, and I'm like you're beautiful and sometimes i find them with cracked fingers they're mm-hmm. all with blood because they're trying to survive to to fend for their families yeah. and all mm-hmm. single women who think they have been left away like they have been left alone mm-hmm. to fend for themselves they are still important in the sight of god and god still minds about them. He sure does. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for being with us today and for traveling all of this way to share yeah. the story of compassion. Um, so thank you for listening to this episode of the Mark Podcast and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mary Margaret C and at ED Heinemann. Use the hashtag Mark Podcast to connect with us. You can also find LifeWay Women on all social media channels at LifeWay Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com forward slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the show. We'll see you next time.